This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Thanks for joining us. Another live stream of the Business Storytelling Podcast, all the typical channels, Amazon, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. I think that might be it. Um, bright and early here for me today, 7 a.m. Chicago time. Today's guest is in Perth, Australia, 8 p.m. their time. So we're we're continuing to trek around the globe to get the best experts for you. But today we want to talk about writing. Writing is hard. And you know why writing is hard, quite frankly? I want to be snarky about it because everybody keeps saying it's so hard and everybody makes it so difficult. And I mean, seriously, yes, writing is hard. It's probably the hardest labor-intensive thing to do without having to get up. I'll just say it that way. Uh, but we have Sarah Mitchell on the show today. Uh, typeset releases the release the State of Writing Report 2021 Global Study into Writing Effectiveness. And what's interesting about that, by the way, is when I grew up as a journalist, you know who you know who um, decided whether or not I'm going to try to get Sarah ready here. If you if you see me watching, looking away on the live stream, you know who decided whether content was effective when I grew up as a journalist? My boss. Who put him or her in charge? Well, somebody did. But they decided that content was good or was bad. And you know who decides today? The audience. And I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but if nobody reads your content, um, how is it any good? If nobody finds your content, how is it any good? If nobody... Um, you know, if nobody shares your content, even even though that's a whole different discussion, um, some content doesn't get shared. The end. On today's show, we have Sarah Mitchell. You can connect with her over on typeset dot uh, typesetcontent.com. And there's also a link in the show notes to the report. So you can read it there. You can skim it there if you don't want to listen to us today. Let's get her out of the green room. Um, Sarah, fair warning, put the drinks away. We're bringing you on air, 8 p.m. Perth time. How's it going today? It's good. How are you, Christoph? I'm hanging in there um, bright and early, but I'm an early riser. In fact, you know, the other day, some group I was in, they were talking at 10 p.m., and I responded at 5 a.m., and somebody said, that's really early to respond to so many people. And I said, I, you know, well, 10 p.m. is really late for me. I'm asleep. For two hours, if I can help it. <laughs> so I appreciate you. Making I'm an early riser too. I'm an early riser too. So I do appreciate you making the time for sure. Tell me about the report. Why did it come about? Uh, second edition, I believe. Um, and and what are some of the key findings? Let's dive in there. Yeah, it's the second annual report into writing effectiveness. And it was interesting what you said, at, you know, in the intro that when you were a journalist, the person that decided whether or not um, something was good was your boss, was the editor. Um, and now we've got so many people who haven't necessarily trained to be a journalist or trained, you know, gone through 
um, any kind of formal um, education, haven't had the luxury or the pleasure of working in a newsroom, now we're all being faced with writing. And, and a lot of the content that is created is writing. It's, I always think writing and is like the, um, the walking of exercise. You don't need a lot of fancy equipment. Anybody can do it. You can sit down and get started. Um, and you, and you can, you can do it with a fair bit of confidence, but I think we all know anybody that's been in marketing for any amount of time knows that some writing just works and does what you want it to do. And some writing, and it doesn't seem to matter how much you labor over it, doesn't do so well. So we really wanted to get to the bottom of what makes writing effective because um, I'm a business owner. I know you're a business owner. Writing uh, is expensive for businesses. They have to hire people to do it. They expect things to happen. And if it's not happening, why? And what can we find out from people who who are working in, in writing, marketing, business communicators, business owners who do a lot of their own writing? What can we learn from them about uh, what makes writing effective? And in my definition, effective means successful, and which usually means returning something on the investment, doing what you expected it to do. So that was a really long explanation. Seemed pretty short to me. We are on a podcast. We're on a live stream. We can just keep talking and talking. We can be here all day, even though I do have to take the kids to school at some point here today or the okay. school will call us. Now, um, the interesting thing you mentioned is it has nothing to do with how long you belabor on content, which is interesting because I think a lot of companies, they spend a lot of time on doing something, right? And then they think their return will equal the amount put in. So why? So I'm thinking out loud here. I mean, is that just a holdover from the industrial um, industrial world we used to live in, right? The more time I put into building widgets, the more bidget, widgets I have to sell, right? But that doesn't necessarily work when you're creating content. I mean, is that why that's still in people's minds? Like, we got to put in more work. Like, you got to, and you do. Don't get me wrong. I write every day. One way or another, you know, I, headlines, social articles, et cetera, et cetera. But why, why are people so hung up, if I may say so myself, to put in all this time and then expect the results to equal the time put in, not the knowledge put in necessarily? Well, I think that's, you know, maybe it does go back to the industrial revolution, but I, I think a lot of people do create content with really good intentions they have expectations, they have KPIs, they have, um, you know, they want to be successful in their own businesses or in their own um, organizations. So, and I guess this is really getting to the nut of what we're trying to find out is what are those tasks and processes and workflows that we can use that are more effective, that will guarantee success compared to you know, we've all been on those projects and we've seen those projects that, you know, are very well funded, that had big teams of writers, spent a lot of money on graphic design, or you can tell, just put lots of money against, um, you know, digital marketing, online advertising. But what did, what, what did it get? So that's, that's the, the crux of it. And you see some people that are just super successful all the time. Does it, does more, does volume make a difference? I mean, I think there was a time when we were all trying to be on all channels 24-7. 
you know, Seth Godin writes every day, so I'm going to write every day. I'm going to publish every day. Does that work? No. But then we also know people who, you know, can put out something that's relatively ordinary, but it just hits the right mark. And maybe they only publish once a week or now people are only publishing once a month. You know, we're figuring out that you don't have to just be throwing stuff out there. So what is, what is the, the secret sauce? What is the magic that we can take to our uh, to our companies or to our own businesses and say, this is what we think is going to be, um, you know, the, the, the best way forward and the most successful way to manage this? Because there's nothing more soul destroying than spending a long time working on something and having it flop, you know? I mean, and, and, and flops come flops come in all, all shapes and sizes. You know, we have flops and, you know, you look at the movie industry, you know, nobody wants to be the, um, the Ishtar of content marketing, do they? <laughs> no, <laughs> certainly not. So what's interesting about that, too, is so Seth Godin, when he was on the show, he talked about his writing. And I think what a lot of people uh, maybe don't realize is, yes, he writes every day. And I think there was somebody who who took him for task one day. And they wrote about how his headlines are horrible or he had a bad week or something. So Seth said he doesn't write to win every day. He writes every day to write every day. So he says, so yeah. a lot of this stuff, it's not that good. Like, But it's the best thing I had for that day. Yeah. So I think people don't think about that. So, and then sometimes he hits a nugget and sometimes it's just kind of like, blah. And he, and he said that himself. Now, you know, your report says most written marketing content is firmly in the man zone. Uh, and when I look at a lot of marketing copy, it's after it's gone through 5,000 rounds of edits, you know, half of them mm. by people who have no business in editing anything, quite frankly. Um, that is unfortunate. And it's really hard to stand out when your content, when you even say yourself, my content is man, Right. Uh, because that's you ask the writers and they're saying most of the, the written content. Why is that? How do we get out of that funk? How do we is it truly just approval hell or what's the uh, what's going on? Well, I you know, that was the thing that was so interesting to me and and really one of the the key standout findings. So just to um, step back a couple, uh, take a couple steps backwards. The first surprise of this research is when the re when the results came in, we found out that the majority, the vast majority of people that answered it were really experienced, right? They had, um, uh, you know, like 81% had more than six years experience publishing. About 50% of them had more than 11 years experience publishing for an organization, not just writing in a journal or, you know, keeping a blog, but these are highly experienced people. And the organizations they work for were had a lot of experience um, in publishing. So, so how often does that happen? Where you get like the really top or the really um, mature group that you can uh, ask questions to and learn from? So great. But then what happened <laughs> um, is we found out when we asked them. You know, we said, "So how are you feeling about the results of the um, uh, of your writing efforts in the last twelve months?" And they were sort of like, "Yeah." Okay, not only about thirty percent of them said that they were that they were satisfied, but most of them were either, you know, just so so about it or didn't like it at all. So that was a surprise, especially when you factor in most of them said they're feeling quite optimistic about their work. 
So, you know, you know, something's clearly wrong, right? We're not feeling very motivated. Maybe it's 2020. Maybe it's not. Um, went out and we asked Doug Kessler about that because I think Doug Kessler is one of the really fantastic communicators in um, in the world when it comes to marketing, especially B2B mm. marketing. And he just said, look, I think people have just gotten used to not getting great results and they've come to accept it. And I honestly think that that's right. I think that maybe we just are starting to cruise. We, I think it can be quite um, challenging to to be in this content marketing um, industry day after day, always expecting to be producing and to be, um, you know, to be measuring, reporting and getting the results that you want. And, and maybe over time, we've just become complacent. Maybe 2020 was a particularly bad year or a particularly good year for complacency. I don't know. I mean, there were some other things and, and we can talk about this in a minute that came out of it, but uh, mm-hmm. did you go to the um, content marketing world where John Cleese was a speaker? Uh, probably. Yeah. From Monty Python. Do you remember? He really, his talk stuck with me because it was a, it was a thing about comedy, but what he was mm-hmm. saying is the difference between really good comedians and writers because they wrote all their own yeah. material and the so-so ones were is that they were willing to sit with the discomfort of being mediocre until <laughs> they could break through that, you know? So a lot of people just wanted to get it done. It was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay. I can get it. You know, that people cracked a smile, but he said the really the best of the writers and this was his particular thing mm-hmm. was he was just persistent and working on it and working on it and working on it until it was good. So kind of breaking through that, mediocrity and, and and maybe that's where we're at maybe we figured this out now we're we're kind of in that if we're, it was a marathon we're in that 15 mile mark where it's just we've got a lot done we're not close to the finish line it's just hard and we're just dragging i don't know i was surprised though <laughs> well 2020 certainly was a, a drag i mean let's be honest about it everything you know from uh, I mean, not even seeing people. I'm, I'm Sarah. This is like the only time I talk to adults, right? Outside of yeah. work and uh, and my home, I'm surprised no kid has come running down already. <laughs> to want something? The the the, the answer is no. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't make a difference what the question is. House is not on fire. So um, interesting. So so many things to think about there. So one is letting things sit. But but the one thing I really that hit me. So I'm also in that 11 plus years of experience, right? Okay, me too. And, and what's interesting to me about that is when I first started writing, the process was very different, right? How I produce content. Like when you did a newspaper article, very different. Today, when I start any article, it's not just about like truly writing the story, but I think about how the story is laid out, right? What's in fact, my editor just um, just this morning said, um, why um, this um, pullout quote isn't even in the article. <laughs> and I said, I know, because why well, would it have to be? It's in the graphic. And but that didn't used to be the rule, right? Like, yeah. if you have a pullout quote, it's out, and it's not the same person who does it. So when I create content, it's actually um, you, you know, I think about the whole thing. It's very different. You know, where do you have calls to action? Where do you do this? Okay, does that work? Um, it, it's very different. So is that part of it? Are people not 
um, making that switch quickly enough, or or maybe we don't know. I don't, and I don't know when I made that switch. It just kind of seemed to happen. But I do default sometimes into writing the way I used to write. You know, like I'm writing first, and then I'm doing everything else later, or preferably just hand it off. Right, and I think that's you've made a really good point. So you came from a journalism background. My business partner Dan Hatch was a journalist. So lots of lots of journalists in content. I, I spent some time freelancing and you're working in a big team of people and there are people that have roles. You're getting assigned things to write. You have fact checkers, you have copy editors, you have proofreaders, and there's a whole group of people and a workflow and processes that you go through before you ever, you know, hit publish. And I think what has happened with content marketing and with this, um, the internet and everybody being able now to be their own publishers is a lot of people have come into it without realizing the whole um, process or the whole traditionally that people have gone through before they published. And what's happening, and, and we've seen this, is that um, I think there are a lot of steps that people are missing. They think that they can do this in isolation or they can do it within their own team. And maybe there's not enough diversity within their um within their skill set or within their, the team that they've got. Um, and, and, and I mean, that came out one of the um, findings we, you know, 86% of the people that answered the survey said that they thought uh, their audience or their readers would think of them and their brand negatively if they found errors. I thought, yeah, me too. When I read something and there's errors in it, I look at it and I think, Oh, that was, you know, they're not being very careful or they don't they don't have much respect for their audience. But and yet only like a third of them even send things for proofreading. Now, you, you've been writing for a long time. I've been writing for a long time that I, I would I would be terrified to publish something that hadn't been through a proofreader. And I'm pretty I, I'm pretty good with the grammar. Well, so I, I got some some different thoughts on that. So first is uh, I mean, mistakes happen. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. But sure, but there's do. a fine there's a fine line between I mean, I, the, my favorite example that I still give people is when Quarter Airways or Air or whatever they're called, the, the airplane, you know, um, company, when they had um, they misspelled their own name on a plane. They tweeted a picture and oh, they yeah. said, oh, this one is going back to the shop, you know, uh, but that's different. But when you see carelessness, like little bitty mistakes that, you know, I would catch when I'm skimming it. Now, you got to remember most people skim your content anyways, right? They're not reading it. They're skimming it. So you have to write for those people anyways. But but if you can catch mistakes skimming, somebody didn't do a good job following up. So when I saw that nearly half of content marketers, um, actually, that's the wrong one. Only a third of content marketers are having their copy proofread before publication. That's crazy to me. Why do we have to be so black and white? It used to be, some companies still do this. They got 5,000 rounds of approval hell. And now we, some companies totally flip to the other side where nobody reads anything. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff goes out that's not been read. And I, th- I know a lot of writers that publish without reading what they wrote. I mean, yeah, I think we've probably all been guilty of that. And it's always the time I get caught where I just bang something out quickly, hit send on MailChimp. And then the first thing I see is the error, like in the title. I mean, we, we, we're all human and we all make mistakes, but I think if you don't have those processes in place, like you're telling, you're saying that you value this, you value the quality of your writing, and yet 
you know, 34%, only 34% send their writing for proofreading. It, the one that's astounded me was, um, you know, 50, only 56% fact check. They, you're just publishing stuff. You're not even sure what it is, you know? So there's nobody, there's no oversight. There's nobody that's really responsible for that QA or the, the quality control. And I think that that probably goes a long way towards effectiveness because you, you and I both know you, if you read something that's that you can find multiple errors when you're skimming, you're not going to hang around long. You're not going to come back. There's a, there's so much good writing. There's so much information out there on the internet. I'll just go to somebody that's a much better communicator. I, so I do agree with that. And of course, if you guys check out my, my latest book going live, live stream your podcast, you will hear me talk about that you don't need all this fancy equipment that I now have set up to start your podcast. And I stand by that opinion. You can write on your iPhone. You can write on mm -hmm. your iPad. You don't need fancy equipment. But here's the reality of things. Podcasting, just like writing, is starting to get so, I mean, there's so many now. And so when I'm looking at my feed in the morning for my podcast, and guess what I do? If I'm getting to a podcast that has crappy audio, guess what I do? I'm moving on. Yeah. I don't care what they're talking about because it's one of the, it's a very quick, you know, I'm disqualifying you. Um, so same here. Of course, you know, Sarah and I sound great, right? I mean, it, it, as far as I can tell. But um, so we have that hurdle, that barrier. We already overcame that. So it is important to do that. Now, a quick question circling back a little bit to the Mazone. So people always ask, What's like your most proudest project or whatever? And a lot of times my answer truly is, oh, the last one. But I also get tired of it. Like if I give the same keynote, if I talk about the same topic, if mm -hmm. I, you know, I wrote something and then I have to read it again and then I have to edit it again. And then I, you know what I mean? Like at some point, like it, it might move into my personal man zone because I'm just tired of it. I don't want to read it anymore. So like, how much does that fit in or is it truly below average or is some of that happening as well? Well, that could be, but I, I find a lot of times, you know, when, when I'm worn out with something, we've all had the, either the, the like you said, the post that goes through 27 approvals and the, and the customer or the manager sends it back or the, you know, your uh, end user sends it back and they want you to change something that you've already changed or change it back. Or my, my favorite one is, can you um, can you rewrite this and make it sound like you wrote it? And it's like, well, that was the first draft. And now we've been through, you know, we've been we've been through 15 changes and you've decided that really the writer knows what they're doing. Um, so we've we've all you know, I think we've all been there, but that doesn't often translate to the audience. Because, it, and this is what I say to people too, where, where they'll say to me, or, you know, customers, they'll say, oh, we've written a blog post about that before. Well, you wrote a blog post about it three years ago and your audience was much smaller then and audiences change. So you can revisit that and you can take it at a different angle. And I think that's the, that's why it's also good to have a team. That's why it's good to have either a, a partner or a, an editor that can look at it and say, you know what, this is, this is sounding really tired or, I think this is great or you just need a better headline or you need a different opening or, you know, why don't you get rid of the first three paragraphs when you're just waffling around and go straight to the chase. And, and you know, and, and again, that's where having that team around you is really important. 
Yeah, content definitely is a team sport. I mean, I do I do agree with that. So the, the I think you embedded, I think I heard you answer embedded what you're going to say here to my question. I think we'll find out. So when you said you have an, you wrote an article about it three years ago. So for example, your 2020 study is already in an article on authenticstorytelling.net. It's like yeah. a 20-minute read on strategic writing. So you're in there, other people are in there. It's my own examples. It's 20-minute read, like, you know, whatever, when you do the math. So I'm not going to write a new article about your new study because, first of all, you already have an article. Second of all, I already have an article. So I'm yep. taking the old article. I'm taking this content, put it in there. I might not even delete the old one. I don't know yet. I haven't I haven't thought about I, You know, that's I got to think about that in an hour or tonight or whenever. But so do you subscribe to that philosophy if you already have content that's halfway there or that's related you just take that old content and update it or or what what do you recommend well yeah and this was something i never used to do at all um and it was andy crestadina that really turned me on to this idea that you know refreshing content um content gets outdated uh very quickly um even if it's just broken links um if you've got something that that was popular at one point and isn't anymore. It is, you know, you can go back through and, and refresh that. And I, I always, and I've said this for years and years, content is an asset. It's an asset that you build over time. A really great blog post isn't nearly as powerful as um, five years worth of blog post with some great ones. And, and, you know, going back to your Seth Godin example, some that aren't necessarily that great. They were, they were good in the day or they were adequate in the day, but it's that body of work. And I think if you look at it as an asset, what do you do with any of your assets? You know, you, you maintain them, you take them in for, you know, cleaning, you, uh, it, or to use the gardening analogy, you know, you prune some things out, you plant some mm -hmm. new things, but you keep the same basic things. So, yeah, I, I, that's something I've really started doing this year um, and going back and looking at things and sometimes just swapping out references. If I'm, if I've got um, links to posts in, uh, in articles, maybe I've written something new since then that's more, more relevant. I can, uh, you know, I can link that way. So yeah, just to keep, keep going through and maintaining that all the time, I think is far more um, sensible than just, publishing, 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 and forgetting about what was out there. And so that's that's actually a very hard concept for people who grew up in journalism to wrap their head around yeah. because, um, you know, we didn't used to do that. And, and the other thing is creating new sometimes feels better, right, than, than updating existing. And the other thing is, in theory, creating new takes a lot more time. So if we, again, apply the industrial mindset of um, time equals value, right? Uh, yeah. Creating new is much more valuable than updating, but it's not always the case because why would I rewrite a 20 minute read, you know, that if I already have it, I just plop in the new content to make it fresh and repurpose it. Um, so of course your study was uh, uh, in partnership with Mantis Research, right? Michelle Lin and her team. Yes. Michelle was on the show previously talking about research. So I hope you guys check that out. I think that was before we, we went live uh, with these shows. Did we go live the last time you were on? Was that already no. a thing? No, we didn't. We right? didn't. So 
things always keep evolving, and that's something to keep in mind. Now, I still personally think I'm. I mean, I'm going to be selfish here a little bit, but but I still think content marketing has a bright future. I mean, you can still use it. You just got to you know have people proofread your stuff, follow SEO best practices, and don't create meh content. That's a very nice safe way way of saying crap content. That's what I call it. Content really annoys <laughs> people. Uh, how do you feel about the future of the written word and, and content marketing in general? What, uh, what, where are we heading? Well, you know, one of the things we did this year is we, we, we really wanted to know what people thought about the investment that, that they were making. So that was part of a, a new part of the survey that we put together. We wanted to dig down into that. And we just asked people, you know, you're spending all this time, you're making all this investment is the content, is the investment you're making worth it? And specifically, what it, what content is worth it? And, you know, so two, th- you know, people came um, and gave us a lot of insight about that. And by and large, you know, while, while writers are feeling stuck in this kind of mad zone, they feel like the investment that they're making is worthwhile. So if it's worthwhile, that means people are going to keep doing it. Because if it's, we've, I think we've all been on those projects where you just work on, work and work and work on something and then nothing happens. You get no result from it. And that is soul destroying. So if people are saying, I am making an investment in these different types of content and it's, it's worth it, then to me, there is a future for it. And, and the other thing we found out too, is that content really is, I think content marketing is coming into its own in terms of being able to meet business goals. Um, and people reported a pretty high return on, on business goals, nothing to do with marketing goals, nothing to do with, you know, building subscribers and shares and likes and, and all of that stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. is it, 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 are you generating leads? Are you signing up new customers? Is your total cost of ownership to acquire or total cost of customer acquisition going down? Generally, yes. And content's helping doing that. So, if it's working, people are going to keep doing it. Of course, if it's working, that's always an interesting debate. How soon can you tell, um, you know, what's the cost? And I also think you, I mean, it's to an extent, it's what you pay for. I, I know Ad Week, you know, A-D-W-A-K, he was on the show previously too, Mickey Taylor, who's behind that Twitter account. He actually just tweeted yesterday, um, client, um, client tells um, agency tells client that they found somebody on Fiverr to do it for five bucks, you know? Yeah. So just something to keep in mind. It's, you know, you, you do get what you pay for um, in some instances, even though I've hired some people off Fiverr and there's some good people on there, but it's usually not for five bucks, right? right. It's um, you have to dig into the details there. So Sarah, it was great to have you back on the show. People of course can connect with you on typesetcontent.com. How else do, how do, why would people reach out? What's the, you know, how do they work with you? Well, we're an editorial services company. So what we, and this is, you know, I've been in content marketing for a long time and my business partner and I just realized that, you know, kind of our, our jam is writing, writing, editing, proofreading. We don't want to go wide. We're just staying in our lane and, um, and that's what we do. So we, we help with uh, strategy. We do some professional development if people need it, but generally writing, editing, proofreading. And, you know, we've got office, we've got an office in the UK and we've got an office in the US and I'm in here in Perth. So that's how we do it. 
And I mean, plus today you can work with anybody anywhere. I mean, it's just, you know, with Slack and email and whatever. And I mean, even look at this, we're meeting on a live stream at um, interesting times, but they're not horrible times, right? So certainly um, check out typesetcontent.com. So it was great to have you back on the show. Really appreciate you making the time. Thank you, Christoph. It's been great seeing you again. Awesome. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.